This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets, episode 105 from the Subway to Shea studio in my office. Huge thank you to a very good friend to the podcast, Al Cintrone. He's been a guest on here multiple times. Early Tuesday morning, he was hosting on The Fan and asked me to be a guest, and the answer was 100% yes. How could I say no? It was an awesome experience, and Al helped me make a dream of mine come true. So thanks to you, Al, and make sure to follow him on Twitter at MyInfamousTake. Love when content creators can collaborate, especially Mets ones, when there are so many of us. It could feel congestive sometimes. It can feel very competitive. But at the end of the day, we all love the Mets and should be helping each other out and help each other reach new heights in this medium. With that said, it's a perfect segue for my guest this week. David from Top Bunk Sports joins me. I usually We usually just call you Top Bunk, man. Every time we talk, I just say, hey, what's up, Top Bunk? What's up, Top? <laughs> How you doing, man? First and foremost, appreciate you having me on your platform. It's a, it's not only a great thing, but it's a blessing because, like you said before, everybody's doing uh, content on the Mets, and we all love this team. So I appreciate you having me on as a guest, man. This is really dope. I love what you're doing. I'm always into in every podcast uh, ep- episode that you put out. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed enough to be here. Happy to be here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's awesome having you on, and you have Top Bunk Sports is your platform, and not only do you cover the Mets, but you got the Knicks. I hear, hear you're starting to get into the Rangers a little bit as well and yeah. for hockey, uh, and, and you you cover yeah. a lot of other sports as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm giving uh, hockey a shot, uh, same thing with college ball, but uh, I wanted to give it its respect and start on a fresh new season, um, you know, take the off season to learn and to really – try to develop some uh information before i start the coverage i think it's it's well known especially with now all new york sports teams are really being successful and making the postseason uh i think it's i think it's a fun time to to cover it and just you know show my respect and expand my my knowledge yeah it was a big year for new york sports uh the knicks you had the rangers you had the devils islanders the nets all making the playoffs the hopes is that the mets and yankees do the same as well, as well as the uh, Jets and Giants going into uh, next season. But uh, the reason why I brought you on here, and we had talked about this off air, you had went to, what was it, four out of the five games in the homestand? Or was it, did you go to all, you didn't go to the first game of the Rays, right? You just went to the last two games, and then you went to two out of the three games against Cleveland. Yes, um, I'm, I did not go to the uh, to the first game against Tampa where we lost uh it was eight to five, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I had to push that ticket and I ended up uh, moving it to the second game and the third game. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even better. Um, even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I, uh, you know, I, I have a 40 game uh, season ticket uh, 
plan. So that all three series for Tampa was part of my thing. I ended up moving it. Um, and then I, I didn't have the Cleveland series, but you know, my grandfather, who, who else, who else is a, a, a big Met fan as well. Uh, he wanted to go see them in that Friday game. Um, and then I was going to go to the Saturday and Sunday, you know, obviously the Saturday got postponed. So I didn't buy a ticket for that one. Um, so I ended up purchasing the ticket for the Sunday as well. And I was able to see that one. So yeah, I was, I was there for, for most of them, except for two. Yeah, I thought it was funny when we were talking that you had went to those games except for the game one of the doubleheader on Sunday, and that's the game that I was at. So I thought yeah. that today we pretty much not just go over the games, but go over what were the biggest storylines, biggest headlines coming out of you know this homestand. What was your biggest takeaway out of everything that you saw c- coming out of this homestand? I mean, well, to be honest with you, you start off this, you know, this homestand, um, you're in a struggle, you're in a bind. Uh, Offense isn't there. The pitching, the pitching is struggling. You don't know where this team is going to find their mojo. And when you have an easy schedule to start and you're like, all right, if they can take care of business, knowing that June is a pretty heavy schedule because you got to face a lot of good teams in June. Um, you know, you want to get yourself in a groove and that's not how they, that's not how it went. Um, they just couldn't find the groove against easy teams that they needed to beat. But once you go into this Tampa series, it was kind of like a 50, 50 thing because you had people that were saying we were going to get killed because they are the best team in baseball right now. I mean, before we played them, they were 30 and 11. So, you know, they basically, it was people that were saying we were going to get killed. And then people also said that the Mets have a tendency of beating good teams. Like they just have a tendency of, of beating these high good teams. So, you know, it was an up and down feeling, but I one once again, I never caved in. I never caved out. I've caved in to what this team is all about. Um, and you saw that. I think after the after the performance from Justin Verlander in 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 the first game and him kind of taking accountability for how he struggled and how he needed to step up and how he placed the the blame on himself. Um, I think that was a boost for the club. I think, you know, they understood, listen, we got to take care of business. It doesn't matter what team it is. And once they got that walk off in the second game, you know, off of where Pete kind of brought them home, I think that kind of gave them some type of boost. I mean, it and it all started with the kids, you know, the the baby Mets were the ones that sparked it up and and really brought this this team together. Um, and again, I'm, I'm sure you have heard it, but we've all said that if we, you know, play more into the kids and and mash them up with the veterans uh you can you you can see the spark that comes out and that's what it's been about yeah let's start with the baby mets because you know bringing up alvarez to start the season obviously an injury to omar Navarez, uh when they started away and then coming home bringing in francisco alvarez uh, was a big factor into him coming up they don't they didn't really have any depth when it comes to catching so it was great to see him come up and and seeing him learn to not only hit and take great, uh, great pitches and, and be selective but to hone in on his defense because that was an important part of what Buck Showalter was talking about when he came up he says I don't you know I don't care about the hitting as much I want to see him play well defensively that's very important to this team and that's what I wanted and he's proved that he has proved that you see the metrics you see it all over Twitter if, if you're on Twitter and you haven't seen someone post the metrics for this guy on defense I mean he's framing pitches well he can throw batters out um, and, and he definitely blocks the plate very well and the pitching staff likes him 
Yeah. They they want they want him here. And I think Andy Martino mentioned that um during his last post uh, for SNY.com is that the, the pitchers want him here and he's got to learn. I mean, this is the best way for him to learn is to learn with Justin Verlander, to learn with Max Scherzer and he even got to catch Kodai Senka, which is a big step for him. So he's doing his thing. He's playing mostly every day right now. The Mets did bring up Gary Sanchez and he'll probably be the backup for now. I don't know what's going to happen with Tomas Nito. There's a lot of talk about what is going to happen with Francisco Alvarez Looking at the track record of the Mets under Epler and under Buck Showalter, I can't see Francisco Alvarez going down. When they had to get rid of Robinson Cano, they did it. When they had to get rid of Darren Ruff, they did it. So I think they're going to make the right move here. I know the Mets got a lot of flack, but I, I think if you look deep, deep down, that Francisco Alvarez will not be leaving this team. What do you say to that? I, I agree. I don't I don't I don't think he's leaving at all. Um again, he's shown a lot of potential. I think for guys like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, even Kodai Senga to have confidence in this kid and to understand that yo, this this kid defensively, just you look at him defensively, he frames well. He's always at he's always ready. He's you know, his his him blocking blocking balls on the ground has has been much better than what we talked about last season. Um I, I think that has earned a lot of respect for him, a lot of a lot of good opportunities. And again, these are things that Tomas Nito couldn't couldn't figure out. This is thing that these are things that Gary Sanchez has struggled when he was with the Yankees. Um, so you add that, that automatically gives him the advantage. You know, Navarez was basically brought up here to to was signed here to help. Alvarez. So in my opinion, they already had intentions of having this kid up here and playing for for in the, in the majors already. They just wanted to bring a veteran that not only could speak to him in Spanish and make him understand the game a little bit better, but give him the amount of experience that Navarez has. So now that he's up here and he's shown that he could hit well and, and hit in big spots and he could actually produce offensively, unlike a Thomas Nito, a Tomas Nito, but can also play better defense and is already loved by a lot of the veterans in this club house where easily the veterans could have been like no i still want to stick with a tomas nito because nito's been here longer and he's an okay uh you know defensive catcher but they but you know that's not the case they're trusting the kid they're trusting his experience and they've seen his development to where they're like no i want this kid here every day because he's already developed and he's comfortable with me and if he's comfortable with these veterans like a justin verlander who easily has a say on who he wants catching him that's 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 a bonus and that to me right there is telling epler and telling buck no he's he's staying here i think when all is said and done and with everyone healthy the at the end of the season what what i we need to see is francisco alvarez and omar navayas as the catching tandem uh continuing on with the baby mitts brett Beatty came up a little later he deserved to come up with the team at the start of the season. That didn't happen. They were going to give Eduardo Escobar the benefit of the doubt. And I personally, I was okay with it. Um, I do think that Beatty deserved to come up with the team, but I did understand the reasoning why they wanted to give Escobar a shot. It didn't work out. Escobar's now on the bench. We have Beatty. And actually, Escobar has been pretty solid all coming off the bench. And you see the two of them together. And Escobar's been a really good leader for not only the infield, but for Brett Beatty as well. And it's come a long way helping Brett Beatty to come along. Um, and now you see with the addition of now Mark Vientos as well, that the three of them together now, Beatty, Vientos, Alvarez, and Alvarez talked about this during the post-game press conference of how close they are and to have those shoulders to lean on each other with the addition of the veteran presence and, you know, Lindor, 
Alonzo, Escobar, the rest of the guys kind of taking care of them and helping them get to the next step that they need to be. We saw such a great week from this entire team, and a lot of it is help through this uh, the baby Mets. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, uh, again, it, it was something that needed to be done because of how, you know, how cold we were. I mean, we, we, we've we said it so many times, um, even on Twitter. You, I'm sure you have seen it that, you know, the, the kids are killing and, you know, maybe bringing them up is the spark that we need. And you saw that. You saw that. I mean, Brett Beatty came in here and looked like he didn't miss a step from last year. I mean, I know he was cold last year a little bit. Um, and he's, you know, he's up and down right now, but you can see defensively he's he's great. They I don't think they're gonna move him. Um, you see the same thing with Vientos. Vientos in his first in, in in his first game back hit that 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 game tying home run. Um, and you know, if Vientos is, is going to get a groove in my opinion. But again, I think these guys also defensively is not just offense, but defensively, they, they fill a lot of good holes within, within this team. Um, Alvarez is, is the same thing catching wise. So I, I think, you know, bringing the kids up here and having them stay is what's going to not only spark the whole thing for the fan base and the team, but also help the veterans in, in a certain way, because they're like, yo, if I could play with these kids, and and I could get my groove back with them being, you know, young and 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 you know, hyper and 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 really positive. That's good because you know what I'm saying? Like now they could find something to where it's like, yo, now we're sticking together. You know, I, I think we've seen that with Lindor. I think we've seen that with Alonzo. I think we've seen that with, with Nimmo to a certain extent. Maybe Marte. You know what I'm saying? Marte has another Spanish guy in Vientos or in Alvarez where they could communicate and possibly get something going. So I think there's a lot of benefits to, to the babies being here. And, and again, it's something that I think it's going to be towards the end of the season where I think we'll make the postseason where that's going to be the story where it turns everything around, in my opinion. I know it's a little bit too early to say, but that could that could be the spark. Now, I don't know if you agree with me, but a lot of the fans wanted all these guys up at once. And mm. the only problem with that is, you know, you want to spark this offense, but, you know, if they're all struggling at the same time, they're not helping the offense out. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we see that Francisco Alvarez, it took him a while to get acclimated, and he's done that throughout his career, right? He did that in single A, double A, triple A, has a rough start, starts to pick it up, and then he's off into the races. Uh, Brett Beatty, uh, same thing with him. I mean, he, he's he been hitting all over AAA right now, and he's been hitting decently here. And Mark mm-hmm. Vientos as well. It's going to take him a while to get acclimated as well uh, with more playing time getting taking place. So did you have a problem with these guys not all being up at once? Are you okay with the way that they were brought up each individually? No, I didn't have a problem at all. I think everybody needed to be brought up on their own accord. You know, make sure that each one is getting their respective at-bats and their respective moments to really kind of settle in. Don't just bring them up all at once because now every you know everybody's all together and it's focused on each one. Let each one come up and build their own confidence so then you can bring the next one. And then once they build their confidence, they'll gel together. I mean, that's the main thing with bringing up Beatty first. You bring up Beatty first who is raking at the very moment. Don't stop them. Bring them up at the right time. Then when Alvarez is ready, bring up Alvarez once, you know, Beatty gets his confidence. You bring up Alvarez, let Alvarez develop his confidence, and then bring Vientos. Don't all bring him one. And then I also think that you could see that possibly with Mauricio. 
if they want to bring up Mauricio for a DH, you see how long he's still there. You know what I'm saying? He's not brought up right now. He's still getting some more time down there. So if there's a chance where, you know, Vogelback doesn't produce to, even though he's not producing now, if he continues to get through his struggle and they want to have Mauricio as a DH, at least he's brought up now where it's like, all right, look, now these kids are up here. Now it's my turn to be up here, and now I have some time to show what I can, what I got because they've already shown what they could do, and they're going to stay up here. Now is my time to show what I can do, even if I'm not playing on the field. I know everybody wants me up here because of my power and what I've been doing on the bat. So I think you know bringing them up at their own exclusive time helps a lot. I'm glad you brought up Daniel Vogelback because to me, and I've said this multiple times, whether on Twitter, whether on the podcast, or even in spaces that we've had, I mentioned the fact that he, to me, is not a prototypical DH. When I think of DHs, I think of like a David Ortiz. He doesn't have to be David Ortiz, but I think of a guy who's going to drive in runs, who's going to hit for power. J.D. Martinez, another guy that comes to mind. Daniel Vogelback doesn't do that. He no. he likes to walk a lot, and he takes a lot of pitches in big spots. He rather it looks. It seems like he'd rather walk than than drive in a run. I don't know if it's just the way he, that's just the way he is, or you know if if there's something he's struggling with, but. If he can't be that run producer, I don't think there's a spot for him on the team. I think he's the odd man out when it comes to whether they make a trade or whether they bring up Ronnie Mauricio, like you said. So he looks to me like the odd man out even more than maybe a Tommy Pham would. Yeah, I I personally agree with that. I mean, I think this is also – I know a lot of people haven't really said it, but I think this is also – uh, karma for the Mets not even offering J.D. Martinez a contract. Um, I think if they were to offer J.D. Martinez a contract, even if he would have not came, I think even just pursuing you know him as a possible DH would it would have been much better than not even going at not even you know not going after him at all. And you see what he's doing with the Dodgers. So I think if he was up here, um, City Field would have been a, a, a t-ball park for him in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> but you know I, I think he would have been comfortable here. Um, and I think you know them not offering JD Martinez a, a, a contract, you know, is really trying. You know, it's really getting to them now. And you know you see that with Vogelback. Vogelback's not producing. Uh, He's not doing what a DH, like you said, is supposed to do. And I think at some point, whether it's the trade deadline or whether they get to a savage point, they're like, you know what, we're done with you. We can't even stand you at this point. And they DFA him. Um, I think you'll see that. I think you'll see where they'll start taking off the leashes off him and, and start to disconnect from him. You look at uh, J.D. Martinez, since you brought him up, his stats right now, bang, 264. Average still matters to me. I know a lot of people are not into average anymore, but average still matters to me. Eight home runs, 27 RBIs, 18 runs. That would help a lot in uh, this point in time. And I think that's a reason why they brought up Gary Sanchez. You know, he mm-hmm. he may strike out a lot. He may not be the best catcher, but the guy's going to provide power. He's going to drive in some runs. I know on Sunday he drove in a, a run. So we'll see what happens moving forward with that position but the where there is no need to complain about certain runs pete alonzo man has had an epic week uh for himself had a couple of big game winning hits that had the big three run uh, home run that you actually saw in person you were right on you were right above it so uh what are your thoughts on what we're seeing from pete i'd like to see a little more you know average for him a uh, little hitting more to the opposite side. He had also had the game time grand slam on Friday. So Pete, Pete's there for the big neck. He's there for the big hit and, and he'll get his big hits. So how, how do you think of what you've seen from Pete this past week? I think he's more disciplined at the plate. 
I think discipline is is the more is the key factor in here. Uh, you don't see him chasing as much as he was in the beginning. Um, you see him really trying to discipline himself and really just trying to stay with the pitches. I mean, I, I, you see it, and that's what's led to his success. Um, and I, I you you kind of like to see it. You kind of like to see him hit for power. Um, you kind of like to see him be aggressive. At certain times. And I think with Pete doing that, being aggressive and, and really finding his pitch, you see now he's more comfortable. Now he's more relaxed. Now he's more happy. He's not killing himself like he does when he swings at bad pitches or he lets a, a good pitch go. So I think with that, it benefits and it generates around the whole club because they're like, yo, you know, Pete, has, his attitude is better. Um, And I know during that time that he was hitting the, the, the clutch home runs, he was sick. But that shows you the type of character that he is that he's not making no excuses. He's like, yo, if I'm still physically able to go play, I'm going to go out there and play. I could have I could have a nosebleed, and I could still go out there and play. It's not stopping me from playing. So I, I think with that and just him being, like I said, being disciplined, not only at the plate, but being disciplined on, on defense, you know, letting everything come to him and not him always trying to get a big play or not him trying, you know, him not trying to get a big hit always and just letting it come to him. Um, I think that's that's been his improvement a lot when uh, since we've been since we've been winning these uh these past couple games. Last five games, three home runs, eight RBIs. He's got 17 total home runs. I think that leads the league. Uh, if I am correct, 41 yes, RBIs, 32 runs, the average 228. I'd like, like I said, I'd like to see him get that average up. I don't want him becoming a Ryan Howard where it was just, he is just a power hitter and he hits for low average last year to me was the perfect Pete reminded me of Mike Piazza. You know, he'd hit a, in the gap. He hit opposite field home runs. He'd hit it all over the place. So I want to see that Pete return. I know he needs someone proper right behind him batting fifth i don't know who that is maybe brett Beatty can grow into it we've seen him bat behind him so we'll see what happens i know mcneil's done it a couple times fam i don't want to see bat behind him that's for sure daniel vogelback another one don't want to see him bat behind pete but um pete has uh, played very well this week and has the knack for the big hit also you got to look into the other leader of the team, and that is Francisco Lindor, who had that big series against Cleveland. He's done well himself. I know he gets a lot of flack uh, for, uh, you know what? Sometimes I don't even know <laughs> because he, he the dude plays every single day, doesn't get a day off. And, you know, I'm sure the Mets, this is where, you know, the whole thing with Daniel Vogelback bothers me because, you know, Daniel Vogelback also doesn't play a position. So I would rather have a Luis Guillorme up here to spell a few days off for Francisco Lindor, you know, whenever they could sprinkle it in because the dude is going to get exhausted and he's going to get tired. And, and it's showing at the plate it, that doesn't really show on the field. He's had good defense on the field for the most part, but it, you know, it's shown at the plate and I hope, I just hope that he can get himself back into form when it comes to, you know, getting more on base because, you know, he's bringing in the runs. He's bringing in the RBIs. I can even pull up his stats right now for you to show how much he's been scoring. I mean, the, the average the is not there. Yeah, the it should average. be in the 30s or RBIs around there. Yeah, 33 RBIs, seven mm -hmm. home runs. He's batting 235. Actually, he's batting better than Pete Alonso right now. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it, the, either of them, I think they barely get days off. 
So uh, yeah. at some point, they're going to have to get some rest. But um, over the last five games for him, he's got a home run, which was the home run against Bieber on Sunday night. Two RBIs, one of them including that big game-winning hit on Friday. And he's batting 318. So those are things you like to see, turnaround you like to see. We know Lindor is a very streaky hitter, but we hope that what happened in the beginning of the season is pretty much gone for the rest of the year. What do you guys say on uh, the Francisco Lindor front? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, if you know me, you know I'm a big uh, Francisco Lindor fan. Uh, even before he came to the Mets, um, I, I think with, with Lindor, I, I, I think uh, he's he's trying to do a little bit too much, um, and you kind of see that. Um, again, he's not disciplined as much, uh, but when he does find his stride, it, it benefits him and. I remember before we started the Cleveland series, I said, uh, Francisco Lindor is going to break out. There's just too much writing, you know, from the trade to being the first time that he's playing against Cleveland. And and I feel like, you know, even though he's not that, that person that's confrontational or calling out, I feel like he felt some type of way when Cleveland traded him simply because he looked at Cleveland as a, a team that he was going to spend his entire career with. I mean, they made it to the postseason. They made it to the World Series in 2016. So you would think that they would build around him and build on him and I guess they just wanted to blow it up at a, at a certain time and you know I, I think he he looked at this opportunity to, to really get his 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 you know momentum and his revenge and you saw that he broke out he broke out in a lot of certain ways and um I think I think he just needs to he just needs to stay true to himself not always not always go for certain pitches you know lay off certain pitches outside of the outside of the plate and just really contain himself really contain himself find his pitches I mean he likes he likes pitches inside and 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 how High at certain at certain points, especially with that high fastball, just you know, find your pitches, stay true to yourself. Don't always try to do too much because when you try to do too much, you get you you know you get into a groove and you get cold. Um, and he starts swinging at pitches that don't need to be swung at. Um, so I, I think if if he just stays to himself, like you saw in the Cleveland series, um, we'll we'll continue that. A lot of, a lot of the stuff that he needs to to focus on, I, I think he needs to look at tape from what he did last year. Last year was a much better Francisco Lindor than what we're seeing uh this year, especially especially last year where he was um two years ago where he was struggling two years ago so i think uh last year he needs to uh from last year he needs to take a lot of notes and really get back to that francisco and we saw last year there's a lot of talk about his leadership over the week we had the comments from uh jason kipnis's former teammate in cleveland and uh, you know i even got out kipnis myself on twitter after the big game winning hit um on friday night against cleveland mm-hmm. you know i i don't understand how someone can talk about uh Francisco Lindor's leadership, not only in our locker room, but even in the Cleveland locker room at the time, when Kipnis started about three or four years before him, was the veteran. So he should have been the leader, not Lindor. Lindor was only in his first, second year when they made it to the World Series. So I, I don't know where Kipnis comes in. I know he retracted and uh, I guess apologized. And even uh, Lindor's wife got in on the whole conversation as well on Twitter. Where are you at with Francisco Lindor when it comes to being a leader because to me every time I see him on the field whether he's talking to the pitcher going to the pitcher's mound with the you know with the catcher whether he's coming off in a bat when he does well and when he does terribly he'll be talking to the next batter helping them to get in there and see what what how they can approach that a bat against the pitcher so where are you with his leadership and um who do you see being the next captain of this team I I don't see it being Lindor um I I lean more towards you know Pete considering you know how long he's been here one and also just the way he carries himself for this team 
Well, uh, first and foremost, shout out to Lindor's wife. Uh, she's a sweetheart. Uh, God bless her. I was able to take a picture with her last year. Um, and she has a really dope podcast. It's a parent podcast. So shout out to her. Um, as far as the Lindor thing with you know Jason Kipnis, Kipnis, like you said, was never a leader to begin with. And you you know Lindor was only in what three, two, three, four years in while Kipnis was there. And 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 you expect him to be a leader automatically. That made no sense to me. And of course he's gonna retract because he saw that everybody was was coming at him so of course he's gonna he's gonna retract automatically um i think for me i do agree i could see uh brandon nimmo being a leader of this team simply because brandon nimmo came up in 2016 before alonzo and a lot of these other guys um and you know he he's a leadoff hitter but he also carries a lot of positivity in this clubhouse um you know always doing this sort of the same thing that Lindor does whenever he goes to the mound or he gives a, you know, he talks to the next guy. He's always doing that. Um, and, you know, he just carries a spark. You know, Alonzo does the same thing. And, you know, to people that say that Lindor can't be a leader of this club, I think he can. I just think because, you know, you don't really see him so fired up at certain times that people, that people don't like that. And it's like, you know, you don't always have to be fired up at every single moment to be a leader. The fact that Lindor, whenever they have to go to a pitcher's, to, to the pitcher's mound to, to, to have a talk, Lindor is always going out there with the catcher to show his, you know, veteran side and his captain side. When Whether he strikes out or he gets a hit and he scores from that hit, he's always going to the next batter to give him tips on what he sees. And I know it's other, you know, baseball, you know, guys on our team that do it too, but he was one of the first guys since being here that I saw doing that, you know, and and, and I, I really commended him for that. And um, like I said, he has a lot of veteran experience. He's been to the playoffs multiple times, so he knows what to teach guys, certain guys on this clubhouse. Um, but as as far as it being a Met, I think Brandon Nimmo would be that guy. Number one, because he's a homegrown player, but he's been here longer than our other homegrown players that are here. Uh, he got called up, like I said, in 2016. So he was up here uh, right after the year after we made the World Series and we were trying to make that playoff push where we made the wild card. So I think um, I think he would be in, in good qualities for that, especially since he's a homegrown player and he just got signed as well. Once again, I'm here with David from Top Bunk Sports. You can follow him at Top Bunk Sports. Covers everything. Covers Mets, covers the Rangers, covers the Knicks. And uh, you said college basketball as well, right? Yeah, I cover uh, main 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 teams, uh, the Knicks, Mets, Giants. I'm starting to cover hockey and the Rangers. And then I just I, I just cover the entire thing of sports as well. I'm starting to, you know, expand with hockey and college sports as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm all I'm all I'm all everywhere. I'm I'm, I'm doing it all. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I like what you said about it possibly being Brandon. Nimmo. I could see him being a captain as well. They may even do a co-captain thing like they did back in the 80s with Keith Hernandez and uh, Gary Carter. Uh, before we start wrapping up here, we got to get into the pitching staff. Uh, this past week, we saw great performances from Kodai Senga. We saw great performance from Justin Verlander, probably the best per- pitching performance of the season so far going into eight innings. And we saw a very good performance from Max Scherzer as well. I want to get your thoughts on what we're seeing from the pitching because before I was going to get, you know, too crazy of what we were seeing over the last couple of weeks and how this team has struggled starting staff bullpen uh, one leads to the other so if we yeah. don't get enough starting pitching and we don't get innings and in length from these starters it's going to affect the bullpen and we've seen the bullpen is now very exhausted from uh, the start of the season so yeah. I was giving 
a little time, being a little patient. As soon as we were getting Verlander back and we were getting Cookie Carrasco back, I thought, you know what? Maybe they can stabilize a little bit and and get things done. Um, I want your thoughts on the rotation and, and how they can help the bullpen going forward. And you know what you thought was the best per- pitching performance this week. For me, I haven't even mentioned it yet. To me, the best pitching performance was Tyler McGill. And I say that, obviously we know what Verlander did on Sunday night is the best of the year. But for me, this was an eye-opening performance because we know how good Tampa is and he was able to hold them to only a run. I was concerned about his spot in the rotation, especially with you know, David Peterson struggling with uh, Joey Lucchese pitching okay. I think that Tyler McGill nailed down the fifth spot, on, at least until uh, Jose Quintana comes back. And I thought it was a very important pitching performance for him. Maybe maybe I shouldn't say which one was the best, but which was the most important to you. Because to me, it was Tyler McGill. We know what we can get from Scherzer. We know what we can get from Verlander. Kodai Senga, I have a lot of patience for, considering he's just hopped over from Japan uh, into this league. And, you know, Cookie Carrasco, coming back from the injury and I'm giving him a couple starts to get himself acclimated as well but Tyler McGill I thought for me had one of the most important uh, starts this week yeah you have a good point on the Tyler McGill I mean you talk about a guy that's very inconsistent and uh, he goes against a deep heavy lineup uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays and completely had them quiet uh, only giving up one run so I think that was uh that that was impressive to me um I think for me it has to be Kodai Senga just based off the fact that again he was struggling his last two starts and we didn't know what how he was going to overcome this and to go in there and really had you know that lineup quiet go 12 uh only three hits 12 strikeouts and um and you know really find a groove that we were waiting and expecting him to find and I think that was important and I think that set the tone for the for for everybody else to kind to get acclimated i think when you got when you got when you get your two inconsistent guys uh with tyler mcgill and kodai senga and and max at a certain point when they're on a roll and they're kind of you know in their performances like we know they can be um i think it benefits everybody else it benefits the bullpen the bullpen takes that energy and is like yo you know the if these guys are the are the, are the, the set in stone guys um let's let's continue that let's build let's build off of that so you know i think the energy goes on from one person to another and i think you know you get the energy from the, the team in total i think if they if pitchers know that the offense is waking up i think that benefits them because it gives them more you know more confidence to go out there and and really try to shut it down and and, and keep this team in a in a hole but i think uh kodai sang is the one for me just based off because there's so much about his transformation and how he wasn't comfortable with the pitching mound and who what catcher he was going to get comfortable with and you know he was struggling with his walks and giving up certain home runs and not you know with that start to just see him dominate like that i think it, it was a, a, a side of relief but uh but also we got to see the Kodai Senga that we've been waiting for. So I think that was very important to uh to see. Yeah, you got a guy coming from Japan, uh like you said the mound is different. New rules have been put into place by MLB uh, especially for pitching, a lot of new rules. So he's acclimated himself I think pretty well. And you know, you got to at least give the guy, you know, 10 12 starts. I mean, it's his first time in the major leagues. It, it's different. The experience is totally different from what he experienced in Japan and he's logged a lot of innings in Japan and that's why you see them maybe you know uh, give him an extra day rest or you know move his spot start somewhere down the week and uh, things are a little bit different what are you looking forward to as we get into this Cubs series and this road trip 
Um, I'm looking for Tyler McGill to have an, uh, another solid start. Um, I think if you could get confidence against a team like Tampa where you did what you did, I think you can easily gain uh, really good uh, pitching momentum off off this Cubs team. I know they're a really good offensive team, uh, but their uh, you know their stats are different from their record, so they kind of been struggling. Um, so I think uh, I'm looking for him to have a really good performance. Um, I think Senga is building off that performance he had uh, his last start. And you know, obviously, some revenge against uh, Marcus Stroman, and um, and I think uh, I think this is a good opportunity for Carlos Carrasco to redeem himself. I know after the th- uh, the fourth inning against that Cleveland, uh, you know, the Cleveland game, um, he kind of settled in a little bit. But you want to see him dominate from the start and not struggle early. Uh, so I think this is a good opportunity, like I said, for a good offensive team with the Cubs, but they're they're struggling. Um, so I think if the Mets can jump on them and really get something out of their star, uh, three starters for this series, I think um, it's going to go well heading into Colorado, who I think uh, is some good revenge since the last time Colorado came and uh, took the series from us to City Field. David, I can't thank you enough for coming on with me here. Obviously, I've always have a good time, you know, chopping it up with you on your spaces. You come on my spaces. We've done it all on Twitter. Make sure if you are following me, if you're following top bunk as well, make sure to check out our spaces. Uh, for me, mostly I like to do them, you know, pre-series I'll do one. Cause there's a lot of spaces going out there. Um, and I don't want to jump all over anyone else who's doing a space as well, but you can definitely check out us out on the spaces and join in on the conversation. I mean, we're always, you know, here to, to listen and to, to hear your thoughts as well. Every game. And, it, it, you know, I have seen you do a lot of post game ones. Uh, Edge does them as well. And there's a lot of good ones out there. So if you want to talk about the Mets and, you know, you can't get on the radio or whatever, for whatever reason, come on the spaces. I mean, we, some of these spaces can go from three to four hours post game. So, you know, just make sure to check him out on Twitter. Uh, Top Bunk, again, like I said, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck with everything that you're doing. Keep doing it. Keep staying strong. And um, keep putting out great content, man. Keep doing that. Yeah, I, I appreciate it so much. Like I said, I think uh, you're on your you're on your way. You're you're already there, in my opinion. Um, and it's and and you're gonna keep growing and, and only getting better. Um, I learned from guys like you. I learned from a lot of the Mets uh, content creators. And again, we're not only doing this because 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 uh, we're looking at this as 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 a business standpoint, but we're doing it because we love this team, we love this organization, and we're a fan of of this team. We diehard fans. Um, and we love to cover it. And um, I appreciate you allowing me to come up here and, 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 you know, talk the conversation of the mess and, and really allowing me to express. And again, I, I, I can't wait to see what you do and, and hopefully, you know, it, we keep, we keep going, you know what I'm saying? Cause we're, we're doing this for, for, for the Mets at the end of the day, but I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. Yeah. Let everyone know, David, um, you know, obviously we can follow you at top bunk sports. What else are you working on? You know, as the week goes on, um, right now I'm just trying to put out content, I'm trying to put out content for people. Um, you know, I, I am trying, you know, I'm, I'm very different from other content, uh, created, I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, uh, but I like to put out different highlights, um, every day. I kind of take a break from time to time. I know people always ask me like, how come you don't do it every day? And it's like, you know, I'm a one man show. I don't, I don't have people working for me. That's, that's the goal at the end of the day to have grow this as a business and have people, you know, 
represent each sport and put out different content in each sport and just grow this as a business and also make this fun, you know, not trying to be so, so, you know, so serious, trying to make it fun, trying to joke with people, just interact with people. Um, you know, I'll, I'll soon be, you know, doing interviews at the stadium soon when I get, you know, certain equipment, just trying to interact with certain people, you know, with the experience. That's why I always post uh, certain videos when I'm at the game live instead of posting it from, you know, SNY feed. Cause I think it's good when you're at the game and you're getting a different perspective, but I'm, I'm just posting and really just trying to stay updated with the feed and really trying to give people content every single day and just really trying to grow the brand. Now we're doing a great job. I love when you put out, you know, clips and highlights from the games, keep it up, man. Like I said, keep doing great work. And um, I hope to continue. I hope we, we continue this journey together. All of us, all of us met content creators because, you know, um, all we can do is support each other and help each other grow. So I appreciate you coming on. We'll do this again very, very soon. You take care and have a good one, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, bro. Same to you. All right. You can follow the Subway to Shea podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Subway to Shea. Listen, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Those are the best places you will be able to listen to it. You can turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea and rate the show. Leave comments for me. Uh, in the review section. That helps me out a lot to know how I need to improve. How do I need to make things better? If you like something, let me know about it. I want to hear from you. So uh, go on Apple Podcasts, go on Spotify, rate the show from one to five stars, and leave a review. Don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the Fan Sided Network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the Fan Sided Network at Fan Sided. If you enjoyed watching this on YouTube, which I hope to post up or I might post up some clips from the podcast, uh, please leave a like and leave me comments. I want to hear from you. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you can get all the notifications and updates for the channel. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. For Anthony Rivera... This is the Subway to Shea podcast. And always remember, let's go Mets.